Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we're coming to you live from a couple of places on the internet. We are live on Crowdcast. We're live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook. Maybe you're listening later. Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, it's all good. And we have a packed show for you tonight with some amazing guests justin before we get into it real quick you haven't been here a couple of weeks hey welcome back Uh, thanks for remembering you do a show no it's great i remember the whole time i was quietly podcasting to my family uh having opinions and they respect my opinion as much as you guys do so that was perfect uh but i was at disney world and really took it in uh for a week because you won the super bowl so you went to disney world (laughs) Um, a lot of those, uh, the uh, Kansas City Chiefs went to Disneyland, but we were at the Magic oh, Kingdom no. the day they were like, we're at Disney World. I was like, because we didn't see them. Um, what so, was uh, just apropos of the show? Did you go to Star Wars land? Did you do anything like nerdy or comic booky there? Well, let me tell you, the Guardians you ride is... Uh, yeah, that's a very comic book club thing to do because Goofy's sort of the Nat Towson of the Magic. <laughs> Agreed. The Guardians of the Galaxy ride is awesome. Truly, Ooh. like worth going to. Uh, scared my uh, daughter, my six-year-old uh-huh. daughter, uh, but I enjoyed it uh, for sure. I didn't realize that young kids could go on those rides. You have to be like forty inches tall for most rides. So my four-year-old daughter went on the Tower of Terror and loved what? it. What? Wow. Uh, she said her, her quote co- her quote coming off it was it was like falling down in the playground but I didn't have to hurt my knee. I was like, "Wow. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Good philosophy." Wow, that's awesome. So you're going to take her on a roller coaster tour of the United States now, right? I think I have to. It's her thing. Um on the Star Wars tip, um everyone talks about Rise of the Resistance. I actually thought the Smuggler's Run ride was my favorite of the the ooh, two ooh, featured controversial. rides. I know, controversial take, but you get to fly in the Millennium Falcon and you get to actually pilot it. So that was exciting. Awesome. Well, it's good to have you back. Very excited to have you here. And I'm also excited about the guests that we have on the show. Later on, we're going to have Jamie Rotante and McCall Osto are going to be here to talk about some awesome Archie comic stuff. But first, let's talk about a book that is on Zoop right now and is awesome and wild Zoop. There it is. Let's bring in Claire Napier. Hello, Claire. Hey, hey, hey. how are Welcome. you? So the magic necklace, 
on Zoop right now. Zoop, uh, for frequent listeners of the show, they know this, but it's a crowdfunding platform. It's very heavily curated. And of course, they curated it with your book, which is a cool book. It's up right now. And you are pretty close. I'm just looking at it right now. It's 2,395 out of 3,000. There's 16 days left. Hopefully we can give it the patent uh, comic book club bump. Yeah, raise it show. up a little bit for we'll you. See what happens. Uh, but talk about this book. This is a wild mix of romance and horror that went in directions I completely was not expecting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, was the, what was the inspiration behind the book? And then if you could give the audience just like a little pitch, whatever you feel comfortable sharing about the plot. <laughs> yeah, all just it all happened to me. This is a true story. <laughs> um, I knew it. Um, <laughs> um, it's just, it's just, I made it up. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> it's a hard question to answer because it it gets hard to remember once you're once you're doing it once you've finished. Um, like history rewrites itself, and you all you can remember is here's the thing. Um. I've already forgotten the question. I'm sorry. It's midnight. Oh um, my goodness! Yeah, I know. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> you are. Well, thank I mean, you for I, coming we on late. Yeah. Uh, the, the, ahead, the sort of the the pitch of the book, which I mean, I'm happy to read it off the back uh, cover if that is an easier way to do it. That would be perfect. Uh, uh, Morgan Lefay's necklace grants immunity from danger to those who wear it. Three days ago, Anne Rita bought it. Two days ago, something happened. Yesterday, Anne Rita had a thought. Today, she'll have a man. Which Hopefully. I. I thought that was, I love the sort of uh, like haiku, uh, like diminishing word account of that. Uh, but I didn't read that until the end. And I actually, the easing into the, the story and sort of the magic part of it, I thought was so great. But my real question is about the art style here, which is sort of, uh, I it, it reminds me of like pen ink and you pink and black are sort of the color choices here. What brought you there? Um, well, it is pen ink. Um, <laughs> so good, good eye. Nailed it. Um, <laughs> I'm a reporter. <laughs> I have uh, I have a pink pen. I have a black pen. <laughs> um, the one I that my next book, the one I'm doing now, I'm, I've got a green pen. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. Um, it's sort of organic, an organic process. Um, what do I have? What can I put towards the idea? Like. When I edit um, people and teams, I'm very big on um, resources. What kind of resources can you provide your collaborators with? What kind of resources can you build for yourself before you start working? And often that means like thinking up character background that would ever make it into the book or thinking up um, like making sure if you're a writer who's saying to your artist that you're working with, um like this takes place in a high school auditorium if you're an american writer which often they are um and you're working with a non-american artist which often they are the artist doesn't know what a a high school auditorium looks like like they can kind of they can maybe put on a movie and copy that but that's a lot of work to do um so i'm very big on providing up front and making sure it the process is as easy as it can be and that's because that's what I find works for me. Um, when I like, if it's hard, it doesn't get done. So I like to do what I can with what I have because doing what I can with what I don't have means that I can't do anything. 
<laughs> so having um having a pink pen because I, I I didn't buy it for the project I um I just had it because I like colorful ink like it's just it's nice it's right. like a style thing you know like I don't know if you had this experience in school but um when you are first allowed to use an ink pen in primary school like you move up from pencil um <laughs> in my day um as as we say when we're old um <laughs> it was exciting we would use a, a cartridge pen with like little ink cartridges and the most glamorous exciting thing you could possibly do was have a different colored ink cartridge because the norm was blue like royal blue like blue ink um occasionally black if you were being daring but sometimes <laughs> we would get a different colored ink cartridge and it wasn't even about using it it was just like having the cartridge itself it was so like because it was different and because it was pretty yeah. like the the object was exciting and then if you did actually go so far as to use it that was like like showing off your riches by eating gold or something <laughs> so i kept that like enjoyment and um almost hedonistic thrill of using like a colorful ink and it just appeals to me so i happened to buy this pink pen um in in wh smith one time and then when i came to want to actually draw this story i thought what's going to make me the happiest what's going to feel the best to use while i while i'm doing that um how like how is the experience going to be the best it can be because if the experience is the best it can be then i know i'll keep going um and the answer was use this pink pen so, so i did <laughs> well to talk uh, about the other awesome. parts sorry to interrupt justin but uh, opposite from the pink pen you've got through the blacks in particular, and we're looking at some of the pages here on the live stream for anybody listening, you have this sort of, I don't know, it's sort of like old newsprint meets pointillist style that you're going with. Is that something that was very specific to this book? Is that something that your style in general? And how, how do you achieve that? Um, yeah, I think it is specific to this book, although I am also going to use it continually going on. Um, but it's not so much that it's specific to the book as it is specific to the subject. Um, like horror romance and the intensity of experience and um, like the shock of being faced with someone who is overacting or like coming on to you. It's a lot. Um, and the vision gets hazy. Things feel um, speckled. And I, I think that screen tone gets that across really well. Um, and like the hazy impressionistic pointillism, um, the idea of being indirect in order to achieve a specific image is appealing to me and also thematic, I think. Well, and let me say on that, I feel like it's that intersection. Like, I feel like this story is equally, could equally have been scribbled on a bar napkin of someone watching this happen or on someone's notebook, like you're saying, with a grade yeah. school pen. The pen I imagined uh, was the one um, that I saw when I was a kid where you could flick between different colored ink and it oh was God, so yeah, precious. My daughter just <laughs> got one of those and she holds it like it is the <laughs> holy <Absolutely>. grail. <laughs> she yeah. loves it so much. And so that intersection, I thought, just from an art choice, tells us so much about the tone of it and gets us sort of in the head of a character that isn't telling us 
what's happening yeah. without revealing the secrets. And I just, I was so impressed by that to ride with a character tonally, but then get to enjoy the reveals without them feeling like they're being withheld from us for too long. Thank you. Well, what was that? Uh, I'm curious to follow up on what Justin's saying. As a writer, were there points during the process where you wanted to get that information out there sooner, but you were like, no, 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 hold on to it, hold on to it? Um, kind of. I always, it's for me, the, um, the can't waitness is more wrapped up in like having it finished. Like I want to, I, I knew where all the, the information needed to be, like how the parts worked together and, and needed to, like the order in which they needed to come. But I, I, it's frustrating to have to wait <laughs> to draw it all. Um, it kind of, it comes together usually quite well, like the, in terms of um, like revelations, because I do tend to find myself um, making stories in which things aren't as they seem or whatever, um, just because it gives me plenty to keep in mind, I guess. Like having a lot of strings to hold on to means that I'm always having to hold on to them so I don't get bored. Um, I've forgotten what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I, I don't want to keep you too late because like you said, it's very late where you are, yeah. but you do have this soup campaign that's up, as we mentioned, for the next 16 days as we're taping. If people go there, what can they check out? What can they expect from the campaign? Oh, um, well, they can get the comic. Um, there, there's PDF and print tiers. Um, there's... There's a book plate and a, a bundle and a print and a t-shirt. But my favorite, um, my favorite tier is that there's an audio short, um, which I wrote like prose. And then my friend who's a, a professional erotic voice actress um, has recorded. It's a, a monologue from the perspective of Morgan Le Fay, um, like watching oh, wow. the, um, the events prior to the comic um, from her tower outside of time. Um, because I do like Arthurian razzle dazzle. Um, <laughs> and I do, I wanted, I wanted to be able to provide like an addition, like an extra, like people do for crowdfunding campaigns. Yeah. But the things that people normally offer, I, I can't do them I, like I can't offer commissions because I will forget that I'm supposed to do them um, <laughs> so, it, truly um so I, I had to cast around for something that felt authentic and non-obligatory um, um and offering a a parallel story that it, it's not necessary in the least to, like it doesn't explain anything that's not explained in the comic um, but it, um, I guess there's an element of feminine solidarity to it. Um, because having a witch's necklace is one thing, but having the witch approve of what you do with it is another like that. that it's better. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, and let me say it's it, to have that as a tier for someone who would so, uh, sign up for that before they read the book, like 
having read it, I want to hear that now. Like I want to hear. <laughs> like, you, need, you need an option for me to buy in now to, <laughs> to hear that because that to me is the perfect like like ep- I mean I haven't heard it, but the perfect epilogue to the story, which like yeah. uh, leaves you. I mean, I, it's it's very sexual. I think we sort of touch on it a little bit, but after it's finished, you're left with the reality like when we as people have sex in whatever way that we do it afterward, you're like, okay, now I got to go back to everything else in my relationship (laughs) or life or whatever. And I love the idea that the book ends there, but to have an outside eye on it, almost being like, well, that was a mistake Uh, or great work. You did the right thing. This is not to interrupt, but this is Justin. This is the same way. Whenever you have sex, I call you up to comment on it. Right. And and honestly, (laughs) I don't know if I don't have a magic necklace. I don't know how you're in on me. Uh, doing this but you, I'll, I guess I'll when explain you do it. a podcast for so long exactly you, you just get know in on the good stuff yeah <laughs> i got i got my my uh my tingle going out there let's not follow this road too <laughs> Me far too. <laughs> <laughs> uh claire sorry about the detour at the end there the book is great i'm very excited <laughs> for it. you i'm very excited for the zoop everybody should check it out everybody should support it and that uh that bonus like we've been talking about sounds really awesome so Thank you for staying on late. To yeah, talk. congratulations. Yeah. Get some sleep. Love the book. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. Glad to have been there. <laughs> All right. There we go. Claire Napier. The book is called The Magic Necklace, and it is up on Zoop right now. And like we talked about, very cool. Also, like Justin was getting at at the end there, very adult. This is not a story yeah. for kids. If you're like, yeah, it shouldn't kids. read this on the subway or. No. Nope. Yeah, yeah. uh, yeah. But yeah, if your kids like you know, Arthurian, uh, Arthurian tales or something. Don't give it to your kids. Give it well, to there's them. a subway car in New York anyway, at the back where you can just read whatever you want. Oh, is that oh, really? the curtains? That's yeah, the it's the, the curtains. curtains right? Everyone's like <laughs> private being car. a little fun. Yeah, it's fun. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's doing what they want. Yeah, it's out of service this weekend, though, and that's very annoying. I know, you'd think it. And P, I know, New York's changed a little bit since you were here. So <laughs> yeah, I guess so. The old curtain car was you, not you, something you gotta I was used to. You got to come back for the private pervert car. It's where I find out. <laughs> constant. Pete's in Baltimore okay. now. There you just cover yourself with crabs and go to town. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. You just ride crabs to work. <laughs> well, we've got Farfield. Why don't we bring in our next guest? Uh, they're the folks behind Betty, the Finder Girl from Archie Comics, which is another yeah. wild horror ride. McCall Asto and Jamie Rotante. Hello. Hey, welcome. Hello. Wow. Uh, oh, I like this arrangement. Of this is new. We haven't had five people on the screen at the same time. Uh, thank you so much. It's so good to see both of you here again. The book is great. It's out on stands now, I believe. Um, came out last week, if that's correct. So everybody can go and pick it up, and we'll talk about it in a second. But before we get into it, I wanted to present yes. you both with something. So every week, we have a professional chef, and this is true, named Stray Bullet, Brett Macris. <laughs> yes, straight boys, <laughs> who either curates or designs a drink for us. And sometimes he's particularly inspired to create a drink based on the guest. And this time, that's exactly what I did. This, I think this is going to come up super tiny in the stream. So I'm <laughs> sorry about it. Uh, but he created a drink called the Dark Betty uh, that <laughs> yeah. we made. It's a little bit Riverdale tied, as I think both of you know, we do a Riverdale podcast as well. And we talk about Dark Betty all the time. Uh, but of course, Betty does go very dark in The Final Girl as well. So for anybody listening, this is bourbon, grapefruit juice, lime juice, demerara syrup. I always say that long. Page House bitters. A little a splash of red wine for the blood on the top <laughs> uh, and a lime peel. And it's delicious. Justin, you made one, right? 
Oh yeah. I love, I love this drink. It's, uh, it's a great, it's one of the best blends of, of the drinks that uh, we've had on the show. Ooh. And truly the, the blood red um, color of it is perfect. It's creepy. Yes. Yeah. Hopefully Betty would approve. I guess we'll have to see. Um, there you go. Inspired by the book. So let's talk about the book. Um, yeah. So this is like a lot of the horror one shots that have been coming out from Archie comics lately. You have a framing device, and then you have three short tales that are set in different aspects of the Archie Comics universe. Um, Jamie, I would go to you first, but Nicole, I think you sort of spurred on this idea. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Uh, I mean, that's what Jamie says. <laughs> that's what I'm told. Uh, yeah, and apparently um, my daughter is very distressed that it hasn't been mentioned again since this one uh this one print interview I gave that in fact she we share a Kindle account and I don't she's um, <laughs> she's 11 now and I don't monitor her reading very much only because when I was her age I read a lot of Stephen King and look how you know well adjusted oh, wow. I am so I figured, <laughs> I figured these things self-select but um we were we were on vacation last winter and she told me she was reading the final girl support group and I was like hmm but rather than tell her not to I said okay I'll read it at the same time so we can just sort of you know be in sync because I'd been meaning to read it and loved it um and as I was sitting on the beach reading it side by side with her and discussing it with her I had like this moment because Jamie and I had been talking forever about like oh we want to do something with Betty and I thought well she would be so good as the final girl so it Mm -hmm. just clicked and um I sent her it wasn't even a pitch it was like one crazy person sentence just like what do you think and she wrote back oh I just finished reading the final girl support group and I was like oh me too so then it just felt hilarious incredibly faded but it did it did all spawn you know, most proximally from my daughter. <laughs> and she was very distressed not to get credit for that. So well, nice that you're giving yeah. her credit. Uh, <laughs> finally. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, that's awesome to hear. Jamie, over to you. Like I said, this has been a series of one horror one shots, mm-hmm. usually under, I think, the Chilling Adventures banner. What what spurred this on and what made Betty the Final Girl the perfect current this past week iteration of that so we started doing these anthology one shots back at the end of 2021 the first one we did was the chilling adventures and sorcery and what spurred that was basically for god the longest time i was like i would just love to have a kind of tales from the crypt elvira-esque you know character hosting all of these short stories so that way you can use a lot of different characters you can tell a bunch of different stories And we had so much fun doing that one that we just kind of wanted to keep doing them. So each one kind of takes on a little bit of a different format. Sometimes there's a host. Sometimes it's just three stories independently. And in the case of Betty the Final Girl, and I believe this is the second time McColl has actually written one like this, the first time being October's Fear of the Funhouse, there's a thread that kind of ties all the stories together. Um, And just like McColl said, when she emailed me that idea, it was right at the time I had finished reading the Final Girl support group. So it was just like... All right, this must be kismet. Like this has to, <laughs> this has to happen now. And I feel like, of all the characters, um, Betty kind of gets put through the paces a lot. Uh, but she's always mm. just emerges so resilient, and like she's always like changed a little bit with each one that you can kind of throw her into any of these, and she's always so fascinating to watch as this sort of, kind of like a badass main character. Um, 
Frank Thierry did it a lot in Jughead the Hunger, where like Betty really yeah. shown as like this, you know, very determined, uh, very violent uh, werewolf hunter. And that really helped to like sort of set the template for like, hey, how, how far can we take Betty? You know, and everything that was done in Riverdale with Dark Betty, it's just like, all right, she's she's kind of our horror hero in a lot of ways. So well, she's, what I very, love she's resourceful and like pragmatic, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Sorry, and she's so un- she's so unassuming at the start. You're like, oh, she's yes. nice. And then she yeah. murders, uh, which is yeah. great. Um, what I was gonna say is I, I love, I feel like it would have been easy to just be like, let's do a bunch of Riverdale style comics just to touch on the darker tones of that. But what I love about the books you're releasing, uh, this one especially, like it, it's, uh, it's specific to horror and there are different tones across the board. It's not just like being like Riverdale, but but comics. It is taking taking the genre really seriously, and so it, the the variety of different stories just in this book alone, I thought was fantastic. Yeah, uh, especially the second story with all the twists and turns. I had to read it twice, and like was checking people's shirts, like who was who, because it was such a fun kind of like, wait a second, what reveal? <laughs> yeah, it was. We always have a lot of fun putting to, uh, these together because to touch on what Justin said. We really love to explore all the different subgenres just within horror. Because you can do so much with it. You can do psychological, you can do kind of campy, you can do fun. In this case, you can do slasher. And we usually have some reference points for like different movies sometimes. So in here, we had a little bit of My Bloody Valentine. Um, mm. Obviously, when a stranger calls, Scream kind of permeates throughout just because <laughs> it's a final girl book. But we, we draw tons of influences across all different genres in horror. Well, this is sort of a double question for both of you, but uh, Jamie, when you are crafting a book like this, when you're putting together the team, you know, you have McCall in place first. So you have your person who's doing the framing device, Mm -hmm. at least from the writing perspective. But how do you assemble the team after that? And and McCall, once that team is assembled, how do you start to craft the framing device? Is it writing your story and just letting it segue? Is it looking at everybody's stories and then figuring out how it all fits together? Talk me through the process. Well, the one thing I'll say about the general process, which I think Jamie will agree, is that I, because I, I think because in my former life I was a, an editor and I've overseen a lot of anthologies my, of my own, is that when I give her my pitch, there's usually a lot of so depending on what we end up getting or what you decide on, she could be watching this movie. She could be watching right. this movie. And I'll often give a couple of different options because I want to just sort of leave it open. So I that's that's what I try to do. But I'll let Jamie speak more about the like her organizational process. But I just try to keep it really flexible, like if A, then B, so that like I'm not we're not pe- painted in. And I, I like to be able to turn on a dime if we need to. <laughs> Yeah, and in my case, I had received pitches from the other writers, uh, Casey Gilly and Sam Maggs. Some of them were for other books entirely, but they had stories that just made much more sense to work in this anthology. Um, So once I sort of got them together, I always try to push everyone a little bit to explore more of the expanded cast, because, you know, immediately a lot of people are going to hit the four, you know, Archie, Jughead, Betty, Veronica. Mm -hmm. And we have just such a huge library of characters. It's always cool to be like, all right, but what if you, you dig more into our cast? Who else could do it? And then sometimes by doing that, it just opens up the possibilities for stories even more because, you know, there's something about a certain character that lends itself to a more interesting plot point. So in this one, we used Melody, 
um, from Josie and the Pussycatch, which I think was what Sam yeah. had had from the beginning. That was like perfect. And then <laughs> Brigitte Riley, who is a character that's really only ever appeared in like a lot of her classic books. Um, she's known for being a singer. She's she hasn't had a lot of time in the sun. So this was a really cool way to sort of reinforce her personality and give her a little more depth. And then in the case of this one, I actually had all three writers sort of get together and and work sort of things out themselves to be like, okay, I'm going to be using this character. This is what's going to take place. So Nicole could look at that and say like, all right, so that would make sense for Betty to be watching um, this movie. And then maybe we could pick up this thread that's mentioned in this story and include it in the framework. And everybody just kind of jived really well together and it came out really well. I mean, I know you're saying you have some of the characters already. We have a comment here on Facebook from Mary Pupo says, Josie and the Pussycats feels untapped for horror. Could we potentially be seeing more of Josie and the Pussycats in these chilling adventures, anthologies or otherwise? I mean, pretty much every character is on the table for these. That's what's great. That's what we love about having the different stories is it really gives us a chance to explore as many characters as we want to. Hmm. Well, That's, uh, oh, go ahead. One, one, one question um, about um, the framing device, uh, Nicole. I feel like the way it's laid out, I was I was surprised by in a good way. It almost has like horror movie style cuts, like in and out of the story. Like it's a real jump, and um, you don't usually see that in comics anthologies uh, because there's a little separation even from the framing device. But this, I think, I think played really into the genre. Was that a purposeful uh, choice? And how did that come about? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I will say that the end, I don't want to be spoilery, but the I would say yeah. the most dramatic of the cuts was actually Jamie's edit. And it was fantastic. And I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. So that is mm. obviously a testament to what a good collaboration can do. Because I, you know, even my, first of all, any writer, like, is just, I, in my experience, most writers are mired by self-doubt and spend most of their time, you know, <laughs> second guessing. But even when I am feeling really confident about something, I love, you know, when I'm working with an editor and it comes back and it's like 12 times better than I even imagined because of like such a fantastic suggestion or so that, so if, if you're referring to what I think you're referring to, then I think those moments were mostly influenced by Jamie, but it was intentional and I was glad that she was able to draw that out. Um, and then, you know, for me, I don't get to see the other scripts until the end. And I, even when I see the pitches, which this time around, I didn't see the pitches until later on in the process, um, with some of the other anthologies, I saw them earlier on, but, um, it's a surprise when everything comes eventually in for me to, you know, tie it all together. And it's such a delight what you were saying about the variation in the different genres and the writing style when we did Holiday Magic and it was past, present and future and mm. each one had such a unique voice. I mean, it was truly so charming like to read each one with its very, very distinct voice and humor. Um, so that's just been really enjoyable for me for so many reasons and really made me very nostalgic for my days of like working with writers directly so but um, as many as you want I'm happy to do that so excellent cool. uh Jamie I wanted to ask you a general question to contradict what Justin said earlier I have been loving these one shots and I think they're great but there is a part of me that misses the ongoing continuity 
Archie comics books. I know we're still getting the classic style Archie comic books and we are getting these one shots, which are very fun, but um, are we going to see that at any point in the future? Are we going to see a return to monthly ongoings? I mean, it all depends on, you know, how, how things do, how the marketplace is, you know, we'll probably dip our toes more into minis at some point before we return to ongoing. Mm, okay. But you know what? We also have such an amazing ongoing project happening over at Webtoon with our big Ethel Energy series. Yeah. So that's sort of filling a really nice void for anybody who's looking for that really long form ongoing storytelling, too. Yeah. And I want to ask you about one in particular, not to put you on the spot, but uh, we were friends with uh, James the Third and loved oh, yeah. Bob Phantom yeah. was oh, James awesome. is wonderful. I was so fun. I, I love that one shot. I was so bummed it was only a one shot. Is there any chance we could see more of Bob Phantom in particular? I mean, anything can happen. That was one that really <laughs> took us by surprise because Bob Phantom is not a character. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? No. And even just by name alone, it's one that most people would be like, all right, let, that's interesting. And he he is so fantastic. And he just knocked that one out of the park. I was so shocked when he turned in the script because I was like, you did it. You really, <laughs> you yeah. really made this Bob Phantom character something that like yeah, is did. just so interesting and humorous in aspects and a lot of fun. So I won't say no to anything, um, but I will say I absolutely would love to work with James again <laughs> soon yeah, cool. too. Uh, we got a good crossover question here from YouTube. I'm going to bring in this is from Ramsey Hassan. Which Archie character would you give a Morgan LeFay's magic necklace to? Ooh. Oh, God. Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wow, that Pete coming strong with an answer. One, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any other answers or just Cheryl? Because that's the correct answer, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's hard to argue. So, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. A good answer. She probably uh, already has it. Let's be yeah. what, are we, what are we giving it to her? She'd be giving it to someone else. After uh, well, listen, I want to ask you something else off of the Archie comic books, but we're rapidly coming up on the final season of Riverdale a month away as of this taping. What are you looking forward to? Bacall, Jamie, I know beyond anything, you're still also fans of the show. Bacall, you've written a ton about it. I know we've yeah. talked about it and DM'd about like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Uh, what, what are you anticipating with the final season of the series? I cannot offer any predictions. There's, <laughs> it's impossible, honestly. I'm looking forward to having, I mean, I'm sad that it's ending because I mean, for many reasons, I enjoy watching it, obviously, as a fan, um, and also this, the show and the process of, like, meeting the Archie team and, and becoming a writer for Archie has just been, like, such a wonderful dream come true. So just, like, I'm sentimental about the fact that the TV show that opened that door for me is coming to an end. So that's all, you know, very sunrise, sunset. Um, <laughs> but I think it'll be fun to have the complete series to go back and, like, watch start to finish. I think it's one mm -hmm. of those that the week to week, um, the gap makes it harder. I mean, Obviously the timeline is a little bit fuzzy in the first place, but especially with like <laughs> yeah. the hiatuses and things like that, I, it will be nice to go back and like watch it from start to finish and sort of get a more holistic sense of it. Wow. Yeah. And Jamie, what about you? What are you looking forward to with the final season? Yeah, I was going to say, so I, I have no like insider uh, knowledge on it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, do, yeah, no, <laughs> I do have no clue, you know, what possibly could happen to like, cap it all off and you know gosh there's so many so many things i hope the bear comes back oh, <laughs> that's what i was gonna say is i feel like it's the kind of show where they're gonna be like we're gonna hit 
everything. Right. You don't even know. You're gonna have. Like we're gonna, gonna have to rewatch it. Eric's gonna come back and finish the job. Oh my god, that's the final scene. I think. Right to black soprano style. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the bears eating at, a, at an Italian restaurant. Yeah, I feel like I feel like there's a certain level of that would be horrible, but there's also a certain level because it's Riverdale. People would be like, "Yeah, that makes sense. That, that tracks. Sense. We're good." Yeah. Uh, JB, from a business perspective, though, is Archie planning anything to celebrate this final season of Riverdale, or is it just going to be business as usual? I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I know we always do a ton of fun stuff, especially in conjunction with each episode on social media. We've been doing live tweets for everyone. So I can only imagine that that final final episode is going to be a lot of fun. But we don't have anything um, super planned. On my side of the world, I'm so focused on the publishing aspect of it. So like that's, you know, kind of a different world for me. But it'll be fun to see. Yeah. Uh, so Betty, the final girl is on stands. Now, what is next? What is the next chilling adventures thing? Jamie and Nicole, what's next for you? What else can people be looking for? So the next chilling adventures one shot is pops chocolate shop of horrors, Ooh. which is on sale next month. Um, that's, you know, kind of what it sounds like. It's a lot of just creepy stories all surrounding Pop's Chocolate Shop. Another thing that was kind of touched on a little bit in Riverdale, we've had some, some moments where there Certainly. were some, yeah. <laughs> some, some creepy moments. Happening. Yeah. This one takes it, um, not just creepy, really, really gory and very, very far into the horror genre. So that's the one next month. And then following is the cult of that Wilkin boy which is a 20-page one-shot, which gets to the uh, dark yeah, side so of fame and superstardom. Those are the next two upcoming ones. Awesome. And, Nicole, what about you? What else is coming out from you other than Betty the Final Girl? I have, like, thousands of pop culture picture books coming out because apparently that <laughs> I'm your go-to girl for those things these days, which are... <laughs> Very fun and also apparently like appropriately bite-sized for someone with post-pandemic brain. So that has been <laughs> a shocking, an unexpected new genre. I mean, I've, I've worked on picture books before, but um, that was sort of a, I didn't expect that and I'm, I'm enjoying it a lot. So um, I can't, I can't reveal any of the names yet because they're still, until they're announced, it's all, but I think Seinfeld was just recently announced a couple of months ago. So there's going to be this Seinfeld picture book that is so cute. It's called um, oh. The Day of Nothing. And they, they've got to see the baby. So there's <laughs> spend the whole day like racing across the city, all, all kinds of inside jokes, trying to get to the baby, to see the baby. Um, it's not the ugly baby. I mean, it is, but it's we don't discuss. <laughs> you don't discuss how ugly, ugly the baby is. Yeah, yeah. never see. You don't the baby see the baby. You don't see the. It baby. is not yeah. known as ugly in the book. Well, that's like um, you don't show the monster, then the monster's in your mind, exactly. just like the baby. So there's that, um, and then there's some there's some other ones that I guess are still under NDA, and then there's um, a middle grade graphic novel that I'm excited about um, that has also been taking up a lot of my time and attention so um and hopefully some more archie in the future although nothing has been confirmed yet but um they're always whenever i get an email from jamie i'm like oh <laughs> <laughs> when i see the name in my inbox i drop everything so <laughs> uh, uh, 
Uh, well, McCall, Jamie, thank you so much for coming on again. The book is yeah. super fun. It's great. Really looking forward to Pop's Chocolate Shop of Horrors. And McCall, everything coming out from you. Thanks so much for coming on. It was great seeing both of you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for thank having you. me. All right. Great to have you both. All right. There we go. That is, once again, Betty the Final Girl. It is oh, out yeah, from it's great. Archie Comics. Pete, you are... You are a Betty fan. How'd you feel about the book? Be honest. Oh, I was super, super impressed with it. Yeah, I thought they did a great job, and I liked the uh, different uh, tales. You know, so there was something for yeah. everybody in there. Uh, and uh, we won't talk about the reveal, but great. It's rare when a, a comic really crushes the ending. Plus, <laughs> the, the, you know, it's very pro listening to podcasts, so that helps us out. So that's great. There you know? go. Yeah, definitely. I think they, <laughs> definitely feeds back definitely directly the, into what we're saying. doing. Oh, well, yeah. I'm about to finish my Dark Betty and become Dark Justin. So Ooh. watch out for that as we go forward. It's a mad world, man. It's a mad world. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, we are going to go to our next section, which is my favorite section because you make it up. It is your audience questions. <laughs> and not drinking today. What? You, you're not drinking today. Hold on, I'm saying things. Uh, we all you got to do is drop a question over on YouTube or Facebook or in the Q and A section on Crowdcast. And we will get to it here. But before we get to what we are drinking, we have a sponsor for this week's oh. episode that I wanted to talk about. This week's show is sponsored by our good friend, Juan Espinosa, man behind yeah. Bearded Man Comics. The goal of the company is to create stories showcasing Hispanic cultures. And they've got two, not one, but two great titles, Adventures of a System Admin and Mythology Stories. If you're looking for a fun book about hacking into computers that comes from an actual place of knowledge, definitely check mm. out all six issues of Adventures of a System Admin. And you can also check out Mythology Stories, which is part of a successful Kickstarter campaign that was highlighted as a project we love by the platform. The comics are available yeah. in all major digital platforms such as Amazon, Apple Books, Comic Central, and Library Pass. You can also find the physical copies and a great amount of merchandise on the main website, beardedbancomics.com 
Yeah, plus we've had him on the show, so you can go back and listen to that show as well if you're if you're looking for more. Exactly. Yeah. A couple who, of times. Yeah. Who is it? Who isn't looking for more? I'm looking for more information on what everybody's drinking this evening. I'm still having this delicious <laughs> dark Betty cocktail, which is very good. And Justin, you just finished yours. Pete. I finished mine, but I'm going to go to the fridge, which is right here. So just. Oh, yeah. That's oh, okay. Right. Giant right. fridge manager. What are you drinking? Oh, I'm drinking uh, Pony Boy. You got to stay golden. You know what I mean? Uh... Wow, great uh, point. Um, I'm going to dip into uh, Genesee Springbok. Uh, oh, you, oh, Genesee, baby. When you go to Wegmans in, when you go to Wegmans in Brooklyn, there's not a lot of beer where the 12 pack costs less than twelve dollars. But this is one of them. Shouts to Jenny, uh, the beer that you drink when you find beer in the woods. <laughs> All right, we got a couple of questions here, so why don't we jump into it? This one is from Scheuchler over on YouTube. Uh, thank you for specifying it's for audience questions for AQ. Good what's AQ, another? <laughs> what's another non-Archie property that you'd like to see do that kind of turn towards anthology horror? Ooh, Good question. Interesting. Great question. My Little Pony. Nice. Good call. Uh, yeah. Great. Are you? Are you been? Have you been watching? Yeah, you I, you came up with that very quickly, Peter. I know, like that was off the dome. <laughs> well, I was just trying to think of something that's not horror, and the first thing that yeah. popped in was, uh, you know, My Little Pony. I don't know if you've watched much um, MLP lately, but it gets a little horror. It's there's really some terrifying stuff. Yeah, um, I, I didn't know of... it was still going, or it was a cartoon. It's going in my house. If you pop by, we'll sit down and uh, meet. Sorry, were you saying My Little Pony based on the toys from 30 to 40 years ago? That's what they should do? You didn't know there was a cartoon or anything? Did not uh, know that there was a cartoon. Oh, boy, I have a lot lot of stuff to fill you in on. No, cool. (laughs) There's a whole thing going on there with bronies and other stuff. Uh, Nicole in our chat uh, is responding to what we're talking about, um, saying that, yes, MLP gets dark and it definitely <laughs> so p well, they are ahead of you in, well, the, in yeah. the genre there you know throw out to bounce off of what pete is saying i feel like idw in particular has all of these licensed properties they could do a good job with taking them some of horror theme like transformers do a christine style thing with a car or something like that oh. isn't that what the transformers that's just what the decepticons are I don't know. They're Do you ever think about how, like, there's a human inside of a transformer? They're going to get ripped to shreds when that transformer transforms, right? Well, no. that's why I feel like there shouldn't be much driving involved when you're hanging out with the transformers. I know it's natural. I think it's rude to drive if you're in a transformer. You know what I mean? You got to just like let them do their thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, who's yeah? Who's but I don't know. How do you feel with like a horse? Uh, that's a good question. What? Like isn't a transformer like when you're when you're inside of a horse <laughs> when, you're, when you're inside of a horse you yeah how do you little... drive a horse you get inside it right like a <laughs> I don't know like what's a happening. horrifying car no yeah. I get what I'm saying is like you're saying the transformers aren't used to humans I mean they're they were grown to be cars like I feel like it's sort of like well an alien race that came down here and then scanned cars as a way to blend in all right so is that uh, what they did? what were they before they were just uh, they're just robots. Robots. Pete, yeah. if you went to another planet, would you like scan a horse and become a horse? 
You're goddamn right. I would scan, uh, you know, I'd be a unicorn. You know what I mean? Keep it my unicorn. Little That's what you would transfer. Wow, point. you're really hitting that. <laughs> you're <laughs> laser focused, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm, if I'm picking Almost an like animal to little... transfer, I'm uh, turtle. Yeah, I'm going straight turtle. You well, gonna be Pete, a transformation turtle? Pete, I really hope your cutie mark comes in soon. Fingers crossed. We'll see what happens. But let me just let me just go down on this. I don't not as familiar with Transformers mythology. You're saying they were in space and they were like, you know what? We'll hide as cars. No, the place where everyone interacts. No, they were with on Cybertron, dude. Have you even watched the show? They were on Cybertron. There was a war that broke out. You know, they tried to escape. They crash landed on Earth, and then were like, "Okay, we got to blend in." They started scanning cars and transforming the cars. Feels like I mean, if they're going to be sensitive about letting humans drive, that's a bad choice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Does it work the same way with the Beast Wars stuff? Like when Optimus Prime scans a gorilla, does somebody ride inside of him still? Oh my God, you are just... I, uh, I guess technically a gorilla a should be riding with... It should be a, a corresponding animal for the better disguise. <laughs> a smaller gorilla inside of the gorilla, is that what you're saying? Because let me tell you, if you want to be a robot in disguise, I would choose human. Hmm. I would go with a transform into a human. <laughs> hmm, interesting. That's why you're the king you can't of the go transformers. Fast, you know what I mean? You can't, you can't go fast. Can go fast. Yeah, cars I don't know. Can go all fast. that, all that transforming takes. Do up you a think lot that was time. the first pitch at Hasbro where they were like, "I've got this idea. It's transformers. They're robots in space, and they come down and to hide, they become humans." Uh, I have a strong <laughs> feeling that they them designed... until they become regular human figures. <laughs> I have a feeling the mythology came after they had the transformers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, the toy came first, bro. Uh, We got another tie-in question here. This is from Ben, the Border Collie. Who would be your final girl if you were writing in a DC and or Marvel setting? Great question. Um, Mm. I have two answers. Uh, My first was uh, Mary Jane. I, have, I was haven't say, seen Sable. Exactly Sable. what I was You're going to say. No, Sable. no, Mary Jane. No, I said Mary Jane. Mary Jane yeah. is the like class. The, and I honestly, we haven't seen a lot of. Wait, free making a deal with the devil, Mary Jane, or uh, maybe uh, with maybe the deal deal with the devil's involved. Uh, uh, but boo. I think she's a great option. But let me also throw out go the opposite way. Power Girl. You don't. The final girl mm-hmm. is often running, um, hiding, like uh, scared. What about Power Girl, who is sort of like the opposite of a final girl? Finding a way to to weave the story that way would be very fun. Hmm. I like that. I I don't know why this came to mind. I feel like this is almost wrong, but Renee Montoya as the question. I feel mm. like she kind of ends up in those situations anyway, so there might be something there, potentially. Uh, yeah. Storm and, Pete, and Wonder some, Woman. Oh, I thought you were going to say some sort of My Little Pony character, potentially. Yeah. No. Storm and Wonder Woman. Storm right. and Wonder Woman, both? No, no explanation. No explanation needed. They're <laughs> definitely final uh, material. You just want that. Those you want them to be the final comics you read. All right. Fair enough. Uh, we got this from Ramsey Hassan. After reading the brilliant magic necklace, do you think that eroticism is still an unexplored genre in comics? Would you like more exploration of it? Great question. And for that, we're going to go to Pete first. Pete, oh, Pete, yeah. Pete. This is great. You know. Hey, you know, it's all about what the writer wants to explore, what uh, speaks to them, you know. So I don't think it's unexplored. I definitely wouldn't say that ever. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's all about the story that a writer wants to put out there or artist wants to collab on and put out there, you know. Whatever winds your watch, whatever gets you going. So, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever winds your watch, the most erotic way to say that. 
Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I'm not I, allowed in watch stores anymore because hubba hubba. <laughs> There's a lot of reasons you're not allowed. I, I believe that. I believe that. Uh, let me say, I I think there should be more, but it's a hard eroticism in a real way, like that is actually erotic. I think is really hard to do, and that's why I feel like the magic necklace did such a great job uh, of actually doing that. Uh, but real eroticism is very hard to do. And yes, I would like to see more of it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, not to get too big about this, but there's been this ongoing debate that cropped up again recently about sex scenes in movies and TV shows. Yes. I think digging into it, it very specifically came from some bad actors who were trying to push a like, we should censor a lot of stuff uh, sort of argument that they're eventually getting towards, but it did kick off a lot of discussion about it, about should there be uh, sex scenes in movie TV shows? Do we need them? Are they important? Um, I would say it's the same thing with comics that it is with literally anything. Is it motivated? Like, are you doing it just to throw it in there to titillate? It's the same thing as like action scenes, you know, where frankly, I know Pete is not going to like this, but there's a lot of comics we read. Don't come, we're we, talking about something different. Don't come no, for no, me. But I really like legitimately think it's the same way where we've been reading enough comics at this point. We've been doing the show for over 15 years, read thousands, millions of comics, something like that. I don't even know oh, at this point. Know. Never maybe, count. Maybe Never no count how many. But I, there can be cool fight scenes, but ultimately just seeing it feels like a wash if it's just now we fight and now we stop fighting and now we're friends and now we're going to go fight the supervillain. It's the same thing with a sex scene like in it happens far less in comics, but in TV or movies, it was like we're having a sex scene because now is the point when we have a sex scene versus it doing something to the characters and right. pushing them some way emotionally. That's how I want to see it. And yeah, it, comics. I don't know. It doesn't the way comics is built as an industry doesn't necessarily lend itself to that as frequently in mainstream comics as it potentially could. I got you, Alex. Replace all fight scenes with sex scenes. That's, That's what I'm cool. saying. Uh, but let me throw in there. I I'm think the best there is in what I do. <laughs> oh, stop. Ain't very pretty. Uh, I think that. The sex scenes that I feel like that debate was talking about, the bulk of se sex scenes in movie are written by people who are more, much more focused on maybe the action scenes. Like mm -hmm. 80s action movies and sex scenes, I wouldn't argue they're really focused on eroticism um, as, a, as an art form. So I think it is about cultivating that as the goal to write a scene that is as important to the development of the characters and the story of the movie or TV show uh, or comic um, as the, the rest of it there you go i think we solved it everybody and i think we had one more question here maybe i missed it uh a lot of platforms we have a lot of platforms here, it Alex. is a lot of platforms so i'm not sure so i guess that's actually it for your audience questions whoop whoop and now we are going to move to our next section which is trivia 
man, I got to figure out oh. the sound effect. I, li- <laughs> I like the pickup on that was at a strange part, and I appreciate it. it. Definitely was. I don't know how it works out. Oh, there we go. Okay, uh, we are going to go to trivia. And for that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePay. All yeah. right, this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. It's an opportunity to win twenty-five free dollars to Long John Silver for some reason. Or Midtown Comics, because oh, they've been nice enough to sponsor the show, and uh, you would want comics, probably, you know? I mean, comics or are Or fish. Fun. You might want comics or fish. It's yeah, kind exactly. of up there. Exactly. we got to move these uh, fish gift cards, that's for sure. <laughs> we'll look back and realize, wow, I can't believe we re- became a fish-reviewing podcast. Yeah, so yeah. Quickly. I'm looking forward to us talking about some bass, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, Nice know, bass. Sea. Well, listen, we have a trivia contestant today that I'm going to bring into the stream. It is Dr. Scheuchler. Hey, Doc. Wow. What's going on here? Oh, you're muted. You're muted, buddy. Uh, Head of experimental medicine. Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, I've just uh, come out of surgery, but I mean, humans have two livers, right? (laughs) <laughs> oh, boy. Nope. oh boy doc i don't know where where you went to school but go back Pete, <laughs> you want to take it away with some trivia sure today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend richard belzer r.i.p oh, please yeah. listen to all three options before making your selection here we go ready doc question number one how many characters are on the cover of the Fantastic Four number 700 issue out this May? Is it A, 4, B, 700, or C, Robert Lelogia? <laughs> I'm going to lean toward B. You are good at leaning, sir. Um, uh, congratulations, you are correct. That's right. There's going to be 700 characters on uh, on that Fantastic Four cover. It should be fun to see them all. All right, question number two. In May, what number will Batman hit? Is it A, 900, B, 800, or C, Mark Margolis? So it's either A, because it's more impressive, or is it B? I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say A. You are correct. 900 is where Ah. Batman will be at this May. All right, here we go. Last question. What is coming back to comics at Dark Horse? Is it A, Murder, Inc., B, Cree Mention, or C, Lee Benton? Wow, it's a real stunner. Also, I didn't see a lot of hints. Didn't see a lot of hints there. Well, only one of them is uh, actual an actual thing, and that would be Murder Inc. I'm gonna go with the Murder Inc. Yeah, you are correct. Nice. That's which is what I like to have in my colorful murder pen. Oh, okay. ah, nice. Wow, look at you bringing it all together. All Let me throw out a, a question from Stray Bullies over here. Is the stethoscope a puppet? And I think we can officially say, because you usually come on with puppets. Um, instead, usually we see puppets. puppets. Yeah. Well, I mean, if we want to get a second opinion, I could bring on, a, you know, my colleague, Dr. Kong. 
Oh boy. Nice. Who's it? Uh, oh, Donkey Kong. Nice. Donkey Kong. It's a Donkey nice. Kong puppet if you're listening. Alex to really podcast. shaking his really shaking his head at this. Really <laughs> and I love it. I love it. <laughs> Kevin, are you gonna take a gift card to Midtown Comics or Long John Silvers? What's your choice? Great I'm gonna go with uh, Midtown Comics. All right. Oh, okay. I guess you hate fashion piracy. Okay. Well, show us an email you know and we'll get that off to you. And what is the secret movie? <laughs> That Pete was intimating with his with the bells. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's not coming to me tonight. Oh, interesting! I got you. It's because you're so in character. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it He's is the, on the 1983 hit Scarface. Wow! Wow! I forgot Bells was in that. Oh yeah, That's man. A, it's strange to hear you say a real movie title. <laughs> a movie that people have seen and heard of Kevin thank you so much for coming on congratulations great to see you Kev alright as we all know tomorrow is new comic book day whoop whoop. whoop 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 what are you guys looking forward to that is coming out Pete besides uh, Betty the Final Girl which uh, I very much enjoyed last week. that was last Already week out. Well, yep. I, I'm still giving it a shout out if you don't fucking mind, you assholes. <laughs> oh my gosh, calm down. Jesus okay. sake. I don't mind. Uh, <laughs> as well as Cosmic Ghost Rider number one. Woo! Wow. Great. Justin, oh. what about you? What are you looking forward <laughs> to? You were going to say so many more words than that. Nope. Um, I've got, I mean, there's one obvious and one maybe less obvious. I got to give it up. For human target number 12 coming out ah, this yeah, week i mean talk about a comic uh that's the Tom only King. reason you came back was so you could talk about this issue well you know what and like you guys talked about a lot of comics in the last couple weeks but there's one that i wanted to mention um the Clayface, um one bad day oh my god oh, Dude, we are man about it. i know you about it. but i didn't and i just want to say shouts to that comic it's by Jackson and, and uh, Lansing, a team we've loved on Captain America. And that Clayface comic is so good. And it hit me so hard because it's about like uh, theatrical, being an actor. It's about like. Uh, you know what would be great is if you were on the show, you could talk about it one I'll get off. Give me a break. Give me a break. You know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I'll hassle you next time you have to like um, go ride a crab somewhere or whatever all right, all um, right. anyway human target number 12 uh, bringing the series uh to a close what a great uh run this has been definitely they save some up. for the stack bro no i will not i'm going to only review the books you guys already talked about in the stack <laughs> uh but the other one i wanted to say and shout out was of course i forgot it because i was talking about this other stuff and it was uh oh action comics 1052 <laughs> all right there we go really enjoy really the raider character super bad well but no I, I i feel like th this hasn't gotten as much hype the new super family mm -hmm. um and the way that is it's even tighter than the bat family has been of late which we really do see a lot of how do you think it compares with the shazamily well, we also have that. To talk about. Um, I have plenty to say about the Shazamly, which I won't say right now. But I do think this family, the way that this this Superman book is being written by um, Philip Kennedy Johnson and and the backups are also excellent, is really exciting. It feels like a real new chapter in the Superman story and is going in a fun place. 
Cool. A couple of ones that I want to mention. I want to give a shout out to Phantom Road from Image Comics, written by Jeff oh, Lemire, art by you. Gabriel Alex uh, H. Walta. And this is a wild new post-apocalyptic yeah, something dude. zombie book. I don't know, but I thought oh, I was kind of blown on. away by that. And the other one, Murder World Game Over from Oh, Marvel. yeah. I've really been enjoying that crossover. It's a bunch of number ones where Arcade has been putting these people in a squid game kind of competition through their paces. Um, Very fun. Excited to see how that wraps up. And folks, that is it for this week's show. A couple of people you want to thank. We want to thank Claire Napier for coming on. Be sure to check out the Magic Necklace on Zoop right now. Again, as of this taping, 16 days left. It's very cool. Also, Nicole Osto and Jamie Rotante coming on, talking about Archie Comics, Betty the Final Girl. Awesome book. Definitely check that out, as well as all of the other things they mentioned. Next week on the show, we are going to have two other guests, a bunch of other guests. Here we go. Ben Goldsmith is going to be here to talk about Seance Room and his crossover with Axlash. Also, Steve Horton is going to be here to talk about another Zoop book, Bowie, Stardust, Rayguns, and Moon Age Daydreams. And Laurie Foster is going to be here to talk about Cthulhu is hard to spell. Yeah. (laughs) It is true. If you want to support our show and all the shows we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. You can subscribe on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at comic book live on Twitter, comic book club live on Instagram or TikTok, comic book club live.com for this podcast and many more until next time. Good night. C T H U L H U. Good night. Oh yeah. led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.